the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Joshua. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. There's a beautiful type here. There's a beautiful picture here, by the way. Moses represents the law. He was used by God to pen the first five books of our Bible, known as the Pentateuch, the Torah. This is, this is the law of God. Joshua's name is Yahashua, meaning the Lord is salvation. He's a picture of Jesus. He's a picture of grace. The law was not sufficient to lead the people into the promised land. Only by grace, only by Jesus can we get into the promised land. When we read throughout the Old Testament, if we're not careful, then we can overlook all of the parallels to the New Testament. Every story in the Old Testament can connect to Jesus either directly through lineage or indirectly through similar themes. The book of Joshua is one of redemption for the Israelites as they reclaim the land that God had promised them. In today's message, Pastor Gary will be sharing about the parallels between this redemption and the redemption that Jesus gave us on the cross. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Joshua, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. Now notice that. I didn't think nuns could have kids, but anyway, that's a Catholic joke. It's okay. Nun was the name of his father, all right? Moses' assistant, Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, God speaks here, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, the Jordan River, you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory." No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, 
that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So these are the words that the Lord speaks to Joshua, the one after whom the book is named here, because he is going to be Moses's successor. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself, so let me share with you a little bit of the background first of this book and of the man whose name the book bears. This is the first book of the Bible named after a person, Joshua. His birth name was Hosea, which translates in Hebrew, salvation. And what we find in Numbers chapter 13, verse 16, is that Moses changes his name from Hashia to Yahashua. And Yahashua means the Lord is salvation. Now, this is an interesting parallel that we have to our Lord, because the original Hebrew name of Joshua, Yahashua, is the same original Hebrew name of our Lord Jesus, Yahashua, the Lord is salvation. Now, if it's translated Joshua in the Old Testament, then why is it translated Jesus in the New Testament? Because in the Old Testament, we are transliterating from the Hebrew. So Yahashua, in English, the transliteration would be Joshua. But because the New Testament was written in Greek, that same name, Yahashua, was translated Jesus, and Jesus, in the transliteration to English, is Jesus. But we need to understand that both Jesus and Joshua uh, bear the original same Hebrew name, Yahashua. Now, sometimes it's, it's abbreviated as Yeshua, but his full name means the Lord is salvation. As we, you know, just consider Joshua, he is somebody who ends up showing up on the scene here, and we know very little about him. Here's the little bit that we do know. He was called Moses's assistant in Numbers 24, 13, and he will later become Moses's successor. Now, the word in the Hebrew for assistant is sharat, and sharat means minister, servant, assistant, or aid. It's actually the same Hebrew word that is used in Psalm 103, 21 for angels, that angels are assistants or aides or ministers or servants. Not to say at all that Joshua is an angel, but it's just the same word that is used to describe the ministry of angels as is described here for the ministry of Joshua. He is more than just, you know, like a summer intern for Moses. This is not some menial task that he is temporarily being assigned. He is Moses' right-hand man. We're going to find that he is Moses' assistant. He is his aide. He is his protege. He is a fellow servant to assist and to aid Moses. The first time that we are introduced to Joshua in the Bible is actually Exodus chapter 17. And in Exodus 17, uh, Joshua leads the Israelites in a battle against the Amalekites because in the course of the Hebrew people going from Egypt after slavery to the promised land, they were intercepted by the Amalekites at Rephidim. They were sieged. And so Joshua leads the Israelite army to advance against the Amalekites because of their war that they 
engaged in with the Israelites. So the first time we're introduced to Joshua, he's a warrior in Exodus 17. The next time that we see Joshua mentioned in the Bible is Exodus 32. When he goes with Moses halfway up Mount Sinai, when Moses receives the Ten Commandments, and Joshua stays just at the midway point. And, and so he's always there by Moses' side. And for the 40 years of the wilderness wandering that the Jews will, will be doing throughout their move from the Sinai to the Promised Land, during those whole 40 years of their wilderness wandering, Joshua is right there by Moses' side as his aide, as his assistant, and he will later become Moses' successor. Now, if you would just keep your finger there in Joshua and go backwards to the book of Numbers, I want to read you just in chapter 27, Numbers chapter 27, I want to read to you the the words of the Lord in commissioning Joshua to replace Moses, and it's out of Numbers chapter 27. I'm going to read verses 18 to 23. Numbers chapter 27, verses 18 to 23. And the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation and inaugurate him or commission him in their sight. And you shall give some of your authority to him that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest who shall inquire before the Lord for him by the judgment of the Urim. And at his word they shall go out, and at his word they shall come in, he and all the children of Israel with him, all the congregation. And so Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation, and he laid his hands on him and inaugurated him, just as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses." And so we're first introduced to Joshua in Exodus 17, then we next see him in Exodus 32. He just appears out of nowhere. We have no biblical reference as to why he ends up being Moses' right-hand man, but, but he is. He's selected in that way, and then God instructs Moses there, what we just read in Numbers 27, I want you to lay your hands on Joshua, I want you to inaugurate him or commission him, the same spirit that was on you I'm going to place on Joshua, he is going to be your successor. Now, Joshua is about, it is believed, there's no exact reference for it in the Bible, but when you do some of the chronology, it's believed that Joshua's 40 years of age when he leaves Egypt with the rest of the Hebrew slaves, following along as Moses the deliverer leads the Hebrew people out of slavery in Egypt. So Joshua's about 40 years of age when he leaves Egypt, and he's going to spend the next 40 years alongside of Moses in the wilderness wanderings. So that by the time he actually succeeds Moses and leads the Hebrew people into the promised land, he's going to be around 80 years of age. Now he's going to live to be 110 years of age. The book of Joshua covers about 25 to 30 years and concludes with the death of Joshua at 110 years of age. So, you know, even though 80 might be pushing it for our day, he's going to live to 110. And so in some ways, he's still in the prime of his life when he leads the Hebrew people into the promised land. And we see this book, the book of Joshua, divided into three main sections. Uh, Chapters 1 through 5, they are entering the land. Chapters 6 through 12, they are conquering the land. 
And then chapters 13 through 21, they are dividing and settling the land. And then you have this epilogue between chapters 22 and 24 that have to do with Joshua's farewell and his, and his death. And so obviously he's not the one who chronicles that, but the epilogue there is to give us the conclusion of Joshua's life. Now, a little history to understand where we are in our Bibles. The Jewish people or the Hebrew people or the Israelites had vacated the land of Israel, the promised land that God had sworn on oath to their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They had vacated the land about 400 years before Joshua due to a drought that resulted in a famine in the land. Now, the original nation of Israel was formed just by the will of God through the seed of Abraham. Abraham had a son Isaac, who had a son Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. Those 12 sons became known as the 12 tribes of Israel. And during the life of Jacob, during the time of Jacob, this drought and this famine came upon the land of Israel. And at the same time, I'm condensing a lot of history, but at the same time, one of the sons of Jacob had been abandoned by his brothers and left for dead. His name was Joseph. Joseph would end up being taken originally captive by the Midianite people and transported down to Egypt where God will protect him and elevate him to be the most powerful man in Egypt next to Pharaoh himself. Joseph will end up being sort of a prime minister of Egypt and the Egyptian empire. And God will use Joseph while he's there in Egypt to provide for his long lost family, the Israelites, the Hebrew people who were still living in Israel at the time. And so God would put it on the heart of Joshua and bless him with wisdom and grace. And uh, sorry, on, on, in Joseph, the life of Joseph and bless him with wisdom and grace to be able to stockpile food and resources for seven years because God showed Joseph that there will be seven years of famine. So save during the times of feast because there are times of famine that come. They're very sick. Life is very cyclical. So when the famine and the drought came upon Israel, the descendants of Jacob made their way down to Egypt for survival. And the Bible says that there were roughly 70 That's the whole nation of Israel at the time. Jacob, his 12 sons, their descendants, 70 people in all went down to Egypt and they were rescued and they were reunited with their long lost that they thought at this point was dead son and brother Joseph who provided for them and took care of them. There was this wonderful reunion and restoration and reconciliation between brothers who had offended each other. And so the Jewish people were provided for and protected because of God's providential plan through Joseph as they went down to Egypt. Those same 70 people over a course of 400 years will become a couple million people in Egypt. Now, why didn't they go back? They didn't go back because the Pharaoh in the days of Joseph, who originally was favorable towards Joseph's family, dies. The succeeding pharaohs of Egypt were not favorable towards the Jewish people. Instead, saw them as an opportunity to enslave them and use them as free slave labor. And so the succeeding pharaohs enslaved the Jewish people, used them as free slave labor, 
They were cruel to them, as any form of slavery is. And over the next 400 years, the Jewish people multiplied while living as slaves in Egypt. But the Bible says that their cries went out to God. And God heard their cries after those 400 years. And then he sends Moses as the deliverer to lead the Hebrew slaves out of slavery in Egypt back to the promised land that they had vacated some 400 years earlier. And so God uses, as many of you know, a series of 10 plagues against the Pharaoh of Egypt and against the Egyptians to finally get them to let the Hebrew slaves go. And so off they go. And on their way to the promised land, the Jewish people rebel against God. They rebel against Moses as God's leader. And so God punishes them. And he punishes them by causing them an entire generation to die in the desert. You disobey me. You don't want the promised land. You whine. You complain. Then you can die right here in the desert. And over a course of the next 40 years, basically Moses led the people in a circle in the Sinai Peninsula until an entire generation died, with the exception of two people, Joshua and Caleb. Because among the 12 spies that Moses sent into the promised land, when they were right on the border of the promised land, Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land. Let's spy out the land. Let's see what we're facing. You know, there are giants in the land. There are people who have been living in the land since we vacated it. We're going to have to take the land back. Out of the 12 spies, only Joshua and Caleb believed God. Yeah, we can take the land. God has given it to us. We can go in. We can advance. The other 10 did not believe God. The Bible says spread a bad report among the Jewish people. And so the Jewish people didn't believe God. They rebelled against God. They rebelled against Moses. And God said, fine, only Joshua and Caleb from this generation will go into the promised land. The rest of you will die. Your children will go in with Joshua and Caleb. An entire generation dies. The next generation goes in with Joshua to the promised land. This is that Joshua. And he is called by God to be Moses' successor, to lead the people into the promised land. There's a beautiful type here. There's a beautiful picture here, by the way. Moses represents the law. He was used by God to pen the first five books of our Bible, known as the Pentateuch, the Torah. This is, this is the law of God. Joshua's name is Yahashua, meaning the Lord is salvation. He's a picture of Jesus. He's a picture of grace. The law was not sufficient to lead the people into the promised land. Only by grace, only by Jesus can we get into the promised land. So Joshua is this picture. He's this type. He's this portrayal of Jesus who leads us into the promised land. Now, it's an imperfect parallel because when they get into the promised land, there are giants that need to be dealt with. There, there, are, there are adversaries that have to be dealt with. You know, the ultimate promised land for us, there are no adversaries. There, you know, there, there is no enemy. It's our ultimate reward in heaven, and we only get there through Jesus. So it's an imperfect parallel, but it is a picture nevertheless. And the reason that I have felt impressed upon the book of Joshua as a place for us to have our study is because Joshua, when he leads the Jewish people back into their promised land, will face a very hostile environment. He will face a very hostile environment of people who don't want him there and don't want the God that he represents there. And I think to myself that in somewhat of a similar way, I think that as Christians, we have to come to 
reckon with the fact that our culture and our society is becoming increasingly more hostile. The environment in which we live is becoming increasingly more hostile, where your faith as a Christian is being frowned upon and your religious liberties as a Christian are being trampled upon. And we have to have an answer for this. I recently have been in conversation with Ken Starr. Some of you might remember Ken Starr, the former appellate court judge, former solicitor general of the United States who conducted the investigation that ultimately led to the impeachment of Bill Clinton. Former, He was also the former president of Baylor University. And uh, he wrote a book recently called Religious Liberty in Crisis, Exercising Your Faith in an Age of Uncertainty. And Judge Starr sent me a pre-published advanced copy of the book, and I've been talking to him about coming here addressing this issue because it is a real crisis that he writes about, religious liberty in crisis. And we have to learn to be people who are strong and courageous. Did you notice that phrase that in the first nine verses I read is repeated three times? We have to learn to be a people who are strong and courageous. There are times when God's people face obstacles that need God's strength and God's courage, both individually in our personal lives and corporately as believers who are increasingly facing hostile environments in the workplace. You know what I'm talking about? In society, in schools, on college campuses, etc., all because of our faith in Jesus and our biblical values. So, this is the background to the book of Joshua, and this is a major reason why I feel like this is, this is a good book for us to read. We must take back our land for Jesus. The progressive social agenda is not being silent. The politically correct and woke culture is not rolling over. Why should we? Now, I, I want to make it clear, I'm not advocating a violent takeover of our country by force. When Peter got a little out of control in the Garden of Gethsemane, when they were arresting Jesus and he's wielding a sword and cutting off ears, you know, Jesus said, put your sword back. He who lives by the sword will die by the sword. So, of course, I'm not advocating any kind of violent takeover. Jesus calls us as New Testament believers to be salt and light. That means we are to have a distinct flavor in our society, and we are to illuminate the darkness of our world. That's what he calls us to do. And we are not to ever stop being salt and light until Jesus comes. This is our, this is our calling. Now, that said, that said, This was a different time in the Old Testament. And Joshua was to take the land by force. And the book of Joshua presents an ethical question of war that I want to address before we go any further. Because we we have to have a, a, a biblical perspective of things. Otherwise, this book is going to be difficult. And so... When you realize that what God is actually saying to Joshua here as part of advancing into the promised land has to do with 
engaging in war and killing the nations that are occupying that land that God had promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob and their descendants, it presents an ethical question here. Thanks for listening to Cornerstone Connection. You've been listening to a message from the eventful book of Joshua. After years of wandering in the wilderness, the Israelite people would finally get to enter into the Promised Land. What would it be like? What would their future hold? There were so many unknowns that they were entering into, yet God had promised He would bless them. Entering a new season of anything can be a bit daunting and even scary. But there's a reason that God continually reminded Joshua in this book to be strong and courageous. God would be with them, and He's with you, too, as you face new challenges and situations. Do you like the message you heard today? Want to listen to more just like it? At cornerstoneconnection.cc, you can listen to additional teachings from this series in Joshua. If you'd like to get in touch with us and ask for prayer about things you're wrestling through or even struggling to be strong and courageous in, feel free to email us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. We'd love to pray for you. With that, our time is about up for today, but we look forward to sharing more from the book of Joshua. So come back for more with Pastor Gary here on Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know, still you know you're not alone. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.